Hey guys, we're going to get right to recapping the quarterfinal action, but before we do that, let's talk about sleep. From recent studies from Harvard and John Hopkins, they proved that chronic sleep deprivation is shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. It also proved that we need eight hours. And I can say from my own personal experience, if I don't get eight hours of sleep, I can't get through my day. And I have a lot of things that I have to deal with on a daily basis, like working out and getting all my work done. So that amount of sleep is really a key for me being productive the whole day. Well, one of the biggest problems is temperature, and that's why the Pod by 8 Sleep is so important, such a great product. The Pod is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness, and it was developed by researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and keeps tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature so you're the most comfortable while you're sleeping. It's super comfortable, and you could sleep longer and deeper, so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, they'll refund your purchase and arrange for a free pickup. They've already sold out on the first two batches, so you need to act on this fast. For a very limited time, you can get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com pro. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com pro. Thank you for listening to the FCS Podcast with your hosts, Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, do you believe? You're listening to the FCS Football Podcast presented to you by the Believe Podcast Network, I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Sean Anderson, this time remotely, not the usual occurrence where I get to see him in front of me or across from me. Instead, this time we are doing it through Zencaster, back to the normal ways of the summer. Going to have to do that going forward, but we've got a lot of cover from the action in the semifinals. And as you might assume, folks, that was relatively uneventful because the two teams that most people expected to win... Ended up winning pretty easily. Now, before we get to that, Sean, how you doing? We haven't talked in a little bit. I'm doing okay. Won $25 at the casino last week. I'm pretty happy about that. Oh, Came out already, positive. Already gambling after uh, yeah. no longer being a, <laughs> an NCAA athlete. <laughs> yeah, okay. Kasabian. <laughs> Am I going to have to call dial, Paul? <laughs> dial it back. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, uh, it was nice. The MGM they have uh, built here. Uh, right by me is absolutely marvelous. When you come down, you got to see it. Oh, I'm. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely come check it out. Uh, but, I'm uh, not a big gambler, but I'll, I'll come to jump check it out. Can't wait to see you lose all your money. Nah, I'm not gonna do that. I don't I have any money. I can't wait. Oh yeah, because nah, you got to fly out to California a bunch this year, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are you really doing that? <laughs> don't even want to get into that. But I guess we have to get into these games, though, Sean. That we really were a bit disappointed with the outcomes, and the and the reason why we say that is that. If you recall from the preview show, folks, we were talking about how both these games had a shot to be very close, and we were we were saying that they were going to be very, very competitive, and that we were going to get some good quality football in the quarterfinals, because you have the two best teams playing two opponents that were capable of putting up a very good fight, and we even discussed Montana State potentially upsetting North Dakota State, but none of that happened, because both of these games were blowouts, and sliding right on into it, North Dakota State ended up beating Montana State 42-14. to And that, again, was something that really threw a lot of us off 
especially fans, because so many people were talking about, hey, maybe this is the week. Maybe this is the time that an unexpected team can come in and knock off North Dakota State because we saw Illinois State put up a good fight the previous week, but they didn't have the offensive firepower to do it. Well, Montana State had that offensive firepower, and that did not really do much against what is probably one of the best defenses in the country. So this game started off with Trey Lance barreling into the end zone on a third and three from a designed quarterback run for the first score, 7-0 up North Dakota State. But then Travis Johnson ties it up in that wonderful wildcat formation that they like to run. He kept it, tucked it, ran 7-7 in the second quarter. So at this point in the game, I don't know if you were thinking the same thing, but when I was watching it, as soon as they punched in, I was like, wow, they're, Montana State's giving them a fight. They're punching them right back after North Dakota State put together their, their strong first drive. They were able to put together their own drive and put some points up. Now they need to play some good defense, keep them out of the end zone here or there. That didn't happen. Big play immediately after a kickoff. Christian Watson caught a 75-yard touchdown pass from Trey Lance. One play immediately following the Montana State touchdown. So that puts them up 14-7. to Montana State ends up punting on that next drive. And then a jet sweep, 70-yard touchdown for Watson again, puts them up 22-7 to after they go for two. So two plays. They had two huge scores from the same player who was so fast, had incredible breakaway speed, was not able to be caught by Montana State. Eventually 24 seconds left in the half for North Dakota State. They go up 29-7 with a screen pass to Jimmy Kaporis as he fights his way in and fights through contact to get into the end zone. Eventually in the third quarter, Rovag, Rovig tosses a long ball to Kevin Casas, a go route to make it 29-14 after a fumble by North Dakota State on a run up the middle. Now it looks like that they're... In striking distance, if they get some defensive stops, they could keep this close. It could be a 21-29 game, but Dimitri Williams, wide open for another long touchdown, third long touchdown of this game, puts it away in the third quarter, 36-14. The rest of the game is pretty much uneventful because Montana State wasn't able to score, and North Dakota State was basically just doing whatever they could to run the clock down and pour some salt into that wound. 318 rush yards for North Dakota State, and then the guy that had the best game, as you might expect, Trey Lance, 15 for 21, 223 yards, and three touchdowns to go along with 64 yards rushing and two touchdowns. So five total touchdowns on the day, and like we see from him every single week, he doesn't throw a ton of passes. He doesn't put up these gaudy yardage totals of 400 yards from guys like Case Cookus or uh, uh, Jeff Undercuffler. Or Bailey Zapp. Or or, (laughs) Bailey Zapp. He doesn't need to do that. He does the things that are important, which is punching in and and scoring those touchdowns, Sean. Yeah, Lance has been – I mean, this is a phenomenal game for him. And I went past the analysis phase – pardon me – for this game. I went past it because it's like, how do you you even analyze uh, this game? And we could talk about the type of – running style that Lance has or the type of blocking that he has and how the linemen block really well inside out and give him the lanes and give all the running backs the lanes and the clean pockets that he was delivered. And we could talk about that, but it just left this game left me with two thoughts. It left me wondering what could Montana state really have done in this game? Cause we see how fast that snowball starts rolling and how big it gets. And it's just so much harder to stop with North Dakota state. And it also left me thinking, wow, 
this this North Dakota State team really could play in the FBS right now, and they would be legitimately competitive. Not just playing up there, work a couple years, and then 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 maybe you, you start winning some games. No, they could start winning games in the FBS right now. Yeah, they they might be seeing that success from Appalachian State, who's five and zero in their five years in competing in bowl games since they moved up from the FCS level, and they've been so successful. And I think maybe seeing that, North Dakota State's probably thinking like, oh, they were once a dominant FCS program. Why don't we move up and do the same exact thing? That's another a conversation for another time, but just being able to dominate a team like that, being able to bounce back from a bad offensive day the previous week, it, it just proves why this North Dakota State team is as good as they are. And I, I think that the one thing you touched on is the snowball effect. You need to find ways to stop that offense and slow them down early. Otherwise, they're just going to keep riding that momentum. They might turn the ball over in the middle of this, but once they start scoring those long, big touchdowns on relatively simple plays, you're done for. Once they get one, they're going to keep doing it. You can't allow them to break out and have those big plays, and that's exactly what Montana State did. And North Dakota State did really everything that they do right, which is pressuring the quarterback, getting after Tucker Rovig, and then also forcing turnovers, getting that ball back, and then producing those huge plays. It's it's a recipe that they've been hitting on for this whole dynasty in the past 10 years that they've been so dominant. That's the same thing that's worked for them every single year is being defensively dominant and then creating big plays and putting up a lot of points. The broadcasters had a nice note after one of the touchdowns. I can't remember which one, but they said, um, just jokingly, doesn't this team look loose? And then you just shot to the North Dakota State team smiling and joking. They looked loose, like they were playing loose. And that's when I knew it was over. I think it was only 21-7 to at that point. And I'm like, wow, this game is over because Montana State is just – they look like they are as tight as can be. And North Dakota State is just playing a completely different ball game. They're loose. They're having fun. It's jovial on their sidelines compared to Montana State, who's like, I don't know how we're going to beat this dog right now. They also show some shots of guys dancing on the sideline. And, you know, you know, you might think that, like, oh, they're distracted. They're not paying attention. But if you look at the, the Baltimore Ravens right now, who's a successful NFL team because of the talent that they have, but the one thing that you see from them every play and on the sidelines is that, they're constantly upbeat and happy and they have that energy because they just they're out there having fun, they're playing a game. That's what you need to be the most scared about. I wouldn't be scared about a team that's all uptight and, and, and mad at the line of scrimmage and you know trying to scare the opposing team. I'd be more scared if a team is happy and being excited to go out there and play the game because that means they're having fun together, they're together, they're a close unit and you know essentially nothing's going to get in their way from having fun and going out there and, and punching you in the mouth and beating you. And Sean, you could probably attest to the fact that when we've experienced that, we've been playing at our best. Yeah, it's also a little more fun and easier to have fun when you're winning. So I can kind of understand that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've seen them in a good mood in games where it was a little bit closer. It's just that like when it gets close knit, their chemistry as a team is so palpable and visible that they're, they're just out there playing a game. They're a bunch of college-age kids out there playing a game. They're not thinking about getting to that next level and making millions of dollars. They're not out there um, being so concerned about being, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a way to to phrase this. It's just being overly uh, excessively dominant. They're just going out there and making big plays and being excited for their teammates when that happens. 
Yeah, they have a really good culture there at North Dakota State, and they just they play loose. And in the championship game, they'll probably play loose again. And it's just going to be like, how do you, how do you beat this team that starts off playing loose, and then they have another gear that they can kick it into if it starts getting uh, close, where it's like, okay, we were playing loose, <clears throat> but now instead of getting tight, we're just going to lock it in. We're going to lock in, and now we're going to go and beat you. How do you how do you defeat that type of mentality where it can be? We're going to do our thing, <clears throat> but now we can also do our thing with a little more focus. And it's just a two-headed monster that you just – you can't beat that. Do, do you need a glass of water over there, Sean? You, you sound like you're – Oh, we're going to be doing that now? Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm just, giving, I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> okay, Baki. Baki. Uh, what, what does that mean? Okay. You, oh, you've already, you've already wiped that from, my, from your memory? Baki? Oh, okay. The, yeah. Never mind. Because yeah. okay. I said my Baki in a live read. Yeah. Okay, we can't give each other a hard times. So no, we no, can. Like, I, I just can't, gave I you a little hard time, too. So, you know, okay. it just goes back okay. and forth. Yeah. Okay. All right, All right. All right Sean. All right. So, North Dakota State is going to have to face JMU in the national championship game. And it, it's almost as if they had a warm-up game for both of these teams that they, that they faced. They had a warm-up game. They figured out all their issues from the previous week, why it was so low scoring, and they worked things out and playing arguably, I would say, better teams. Maybe, maybe I, I could also make the argument that Illinois State was better than Montana State, but Weber State was definitely better than Northern Iowa. And this looked like warm-up games for the two of them as they're preparing for that next step, and they're essentially in prime position now to be competing for a national championship. Now, the national championship game is not going to be a walkover because – we have the two best teams competing. We almost didn't even need the whole playoff, which we'll, we'll talk talk about a little bit at the end because of a fan question in Kwame's corner. But this JMU-Weber State game did not feel as if JMU, I would say, was in overbearing control the whole game. But they clearly had the upper hand offensively. So they won, and defensively. They won 30-14 to 14 against Weber State. And this game starts off with Radke hitting a field goal for the Dukes. And then Danucci, to number 10, on JMU, he scores it. They score a touchdown pass, so that puts them up ten to nothing. It was a double move, or it was either a double move or a post. Couldn't see it from the broadcast angle, but it was a great play by the JMU offense. Something that was schemed up to create an easy touchdown to one of their bigger, more physical receivers. So they kept forcing Weber State to punt. They were not being offensively productive to start off the game, which is just a recipe for disaster against JMU. Polk eventually fights his way to the one on a great play, and then Danucci punches it in again on the read option. A lot of room for him to work. He just pretty much stepped in at the one-yard line, 17 to nothing in the second quarter. So this lead is starting to build and starting to mount, but then under two minutes in the second, Constantine finally gets into a rhythm. He, he fits in double coverage to one of his favorite receivers, McPherson, on the sideline down to the two-yard line. Great catch by McPherson, who had a number of contested catches, looked pretty good. Eventually, pop pass to Smith. Weber is back in this thing 17-7. So that's a, a two-score ball game in the second quarter with the half closing out. All they need to do is prevent any JMU antics from happening with very minimal time left. Well, the JMU antics end up happening. They have a, a kickoff return that sets up really good field position for them past the 50-yard line. So they're moving the ball, moving the ball, and then major setbacks push them back to a fourth and 30. And you're thinking, oh, there's four seconds left, final play. What the hell is going to happen? I, I don't really expect 
you know, anything to happen here. It's a Hail Mary opportunity. I'm surprised they're not going to at least take a long field goal with Radke. No, JMU converts on a fourth and 30 for a touchdown. And it's caught in the back of the end zone. 24-7. to I, I'm still, Sean, I don't know about you, but I was astonished by that play. I, I just, I had no words when I watched that happen. I'm astonished you just used the term antics you geriatric <laughs> what's wrong with anthony it's the only way to describe it is that when you're playing jmu it's just there's no time for them to do anything and they they pull something out of nowhere to, to put together that okay keep keep going because i have a lot of thoughts on that on that play okay, the okay. Half. no let's hear what your thoughts are i'm curious it i okay it was a it was one of the worst plays that I've ever seen defensively because there's nothing much else that they could do. And if you're going to, if they're going to be doing the 20 yards and lateral play, then if you're already dropping, why was it that where the ball was thrown, there were three JMU receivers and two Weber state defenders. Did you notice that? I did notice that. What kind of defense is that for a prevent hail Mary? It was probably it was probably their easiest touchdown of the day. How? I mean, realistic? Are you kidding me, dude? Like, end of the half, you're like, okay, seventeen to seven, we can go in here, we can do this, we we can do this. Twenty four to seven, and getting your back broken by a hail mary, where nobody is even on the guy. Like, it's not. Uh, Hakeem Nix going up uh, with his huge baseball mitt hands and catching it in the playoffs over Green Bay. No, no, no. It is. Hey, I'm just gonna toss this up to you like we're in the in the run through, and you're just gonna catch it. No, none of the defensive guys are gonna jump or contest it. Right. It's like when you're playing Madden, and it's the you know it's the it's the end of the half, and you're you're just donking around against your friend. You're like, oh, let's just do a hail mary, see what happens, and it just ends up in someone's hand it's like it's like nobody actually tried to do anything it was just oh let's take a heave here let's see what happens and I don't know I don't get that I don't know where the other defenders could have been because you couldn't see the 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 front end of the play I don't, I don't remember how many guys they they rushed but knowing Weber State they probably had too much pressure at the line of scrimmage they probably thought that they could create some type of issue for Danucci but it did that backfired violently because JMU has so many big receivers with good hands, so I don't understand what the what the thought process was there. That was enough to kill momentum, right? It just it was a game, it's a play that you can't come back from in a game, and it is so infuriating to think that in the playoffs we're not covering a hail mary, and we're we're good. There's only four receivers on the field, and did you have the other three defensive backs on the one receiver in the other corner? I think. Maybe if it was Polk on the other side, but other than that, I don't know. You got a six-five guy going up. Hey, how about we look at that guy? How about we give him a little bit of attention? Maybe he could go up and get a ball. So that hail mary play, though, Sean, as we can tell from your your disgust, though, was just a, a, a complete epitomization of the game, in the sense that Weber State just seemed ill prepared for a lot of things. And after that score, twenty-four to seven. The second half was really low scoring. There's not really a ton to, to talk about here because that was most of the points scored in the first half, and then the second half was all just a lot of running and a lot of punting. So the um, second half was two field goals for a whole quarter and a half by JMU, and that, that gives them the, their 30-point total. That's it. McPherson scores with three minutes left in the game. 
after taking a huge hit and then ended up falling into the end zone. So great play by McPherson, but giving them 14 points and having JMU have 30 wasn't really enough and not enough time for them really to do it. They waited way too long, last possible second, to actually put themselves in a spot to potentially maybe be able to come back. But if they did that at the beginning of the quarter, we would have been discussing, oh, oh, maybe there was a huge Weber State comeback. But instead, no time left for them to really do anything. The game ends on a 4th and 10 conversion pass that is caught and hauled in from Danucci. So that ends the game. They take a knee. Game over. JMU, 212 rushing yards on a gaudy 55 rushing attempts. Mm. 250 five passing yards. Danucci was the leading rusher, 64 yards. So all these different guys getting hand and getting over 10 carries, similar to what JMU is capable of doing, which is having so many different hands in the running game and being able to run it down your throat and being able to slow you down and kill the clock once they build up a good lead. Yeah, um, I like your point that you're about to get to next after mine. I really like it, Joe. Uh, I'm just now seeing that. That's that's a phenomenal thing to touch on. But for me, uh, Weber was definitely caught sleeping. And on the defense, Jonah Williams looked like he was the only one with any type of, of motor or true desire to, to really get after that quarterback or get after the running backs. I mean, I get it. You got to make tackles. Everyone's got to pursue. And it, it's like, oh, well, how do they get there if they don't have a motor? But it, you can tell who is trying the hardest on that team and Joan it was it was Jonah Williams and he was he, he wasn't just one of those days where you you know who you, the offensive lineman is you're going up against so you're just going to keep on trying the same move that you've seen him uh get beat by no 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 he was pulling all the tricks out of his bag he was doing everything that he could do to possibly get to Danucci um even in a loss seeing how he fought uh it really uh it was really good um but as a whole, the Weaver State defense was uh, asleep at the wheel. Williams' season might be done, but he's a name that you should really be paying attention to, folks, when we get into our offseason discussions and, and previewing the draft, which is probably going to be a majority of our offseason talk, is talking about these FCS draft prospects. But, like you said, it, it, keep that name, in, or like I said, keep that name in mind because he is going to have a legitimate shot to play on Sunday's there's a chance he could get drafted as well. And and you saw that with his motor. But the, the thing that I just I kept seeing this whole game is the reason why JMU's defense is so good is because of their defensive line and ability to create pressure. But I think another thing that isn't talked about much because we're, we kind of forgot about Rashad Robinson and the rest of those cornerbacks, their athletic and physical corners that they have were such a big factor in this game. There was no separation from an undersized less athletic receiving group for Weber State. There was no separation. They were jamming him at the line of scrimmage. They were within less than a yard on pretty much every single passing play. And even when you saw those completions, they were contested catches. Their receivers making good plays, but there was no room for any yards after catch. There was no room for much else. And there were a couple big passing plays, but still they had to be fit through two corners in tight coverage and big catches had to have been made if they wanted to come down with it. I mean, you couldn't... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, yeah, with the corners, like you couldn't get a screen screen game going at all. I mean, they were just blowing it up every time that they could. I mean, they, 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 it was really impressive uh, what they did, and I know that we've been talking about them a lot this year. Uh, it, everyone sleeps on how important a physical corner is, uh, except for us. 
and we've been calling it. And I think that these these guys are, are what's going to if they if they win the championship, this, this defensive back group for JMU is going to be the reason why. And if you talk about what differentiates draftable players at the corner position, especially those that come from the FCS, a big factor is their physicality and their ability to play guys at the line of scrimmage. Because you might have some athletic dudes that play corner, but the best ones that come out of the FCS, like Jimmy Moreland, are the ones that are rangy, have long arms, and will absolutely knock the hell out of you at the line of scrimmage. Just not allow you to get any upfield motion able to get a clean get off and release on your break and they, they were just doing it the whole game there were there's weeks we've seen and especially against us uh with Coulter and Aaron Parker who are going to play on Sundays they were able to get a little bit more separation but you still saw them struggling so how could you imagine Weber State's underwhelming receiver group be able to do that and I'm not speaking too negatively on them but they just weren't up to the task of going against those guys that was, I would say, is the biggest reason why they could move the ball on offense. And the one thing that we watch Weber State do successfully is set up those screens, run the ball, and try to work on the, the short passing game here and there. But also, in that Montana win, was working those go routes and things like that, trying to pick up big yardage. But none of that was open. So now that is the end of these two games. They're going to be moving on to the best two teams as we predicted facing off and it, it, it it's almost kind of funny to say that we were able to predict this at the very beginning of the season in saying that these two teams would be the ones that were squaring off in the national championship it, it, it's crazy to yeah. think Hot that we got to Joe. this point <laughs> it, it almost doesn't require much knowledge or analysis <laughs> to pick these two teams it's like like whoa we picked it right but at the same time it's like uh, you could have you could have i don't know it's not like the fps at times because you can you can throw a dart and at, at a number of teams and it'll be random especially this year we didn't have alabama in the playoff but the this year went right back to the the one off year we had last year went back to normal of jmu North Dakota State, and it's probably going to be like that until one of these teams moves up and we have a, a, a variance of competitors. But in Kwame's corner, we have a question, more of a comment from Nick Masseroni. I'm not going to read the entire thing that he gave us, but he, he was just saying that he's a bit bored at this point with the people that were and the teams that we're seeing in here. And Sean, do you, I, I'm not going to say we're bored. I'm not saying I'm bored, but... I. Because we're getting the two best competitors. We're getting the two best teams facing off in this game. But I will say it's a shame that there's not as much parity as there could be. Hey, Nick, you're getting Warriors-Cavs, okay? Be grateful for it. (laughs) And if you're bored, go practice your trumpet. I don't know what else to tell you, man. (laughs) It's a good point. That's a good point that we're – it might be It's what everybody wants. Yeah, it might be tough, but we're getting the two, two of the best teams that we're ever going to see face off in a dynasty period like this. Yeah, right, right, and they, it's different with college football because people go to schools and there's a little more pride uh, with seeing a team that you're heavily invested to or heavily invested in or went to or you're just a, a huge fan of because college football fandom is different than just pro fandom, um, and I get it why you'd be frustrated and bored, but. I don't know if you're a fan of FCS football, you're going to be a fan of this championship matchup. Yeah, I think that 
again, it's difficult that we're not seeing those two teams, or we're not seeing other than those two teams. But at the same time, even though there's a lack of parity, we're getting a, a hard-fought matchup between the two best teams. And maybe even say that they, they didn't coast their way through, but they were able to, to win with, with relative ease in most of their games this season to set them up in this position. And while, again, there's no lack of parity because of that, you still have created two behemoth of dynasties, one a little bit bigger than the other, but two behemoth teams that they're, they worked all the way to this point where we get to see them to the two teams bludgeon themselves to death on, on, uh, in Frisco. <laughs> I, is, is that not wrong? <laughs> <A little> harsh. <laughs> it's what's going to happen. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to, it's going to be an absolute defensive an offensive fight to the end. I don't. I can't even tell you what I'd predict the score to be because it could either be a three to two game or it could be fifty four to forty five. Oh, I think we have one quick addition to Kwame's corner from Kenneth Ritchie. He uh, said, "Kenneth, have I just got the notification? JMU and NDSU demonstrated they are a cut above the rest. What do they do that the rest of us, in quotes, should should be doing but aren't?" Uh, recruiting and culture. Yes. And coaching. Oh, yeah. The the the, the execution. Execution. But the, the thing is, is that both of these teams lost their coaches, and then North Dakota State gets Mike Entz, and JMU gets Kurt Signetti. And they step in, and they're able to attract the best coaches in FCS. They're able to know who is the right guy to bring in. And when you do that, there's no transition. There's a, Or there's rather a seamless transition to – Going right back to what you're able to do, which is recruit well and establish a winning chemistry and culture in the locker room. And they, I'm not saying none of these teams have that. I just think that the their chemistry and, and what they have going on in both of their programs is just a cut above everyone else. Yeah, normally when you see a new coach come in, you're a little more nervous uh, because you don't know how that transition is going to go. But teams and programs with this culture of winning and this they, – they know – what needs to be done and the players know. So it's just a matter of picking up right where you left off with the new coach. So it's really hard to develop and cultivate, but it's doable as we've seen. Certainly doable. And it's, again, we're going to see two of the best teams because they do everything right. There's no step back in any aspect of their programs. And that's why we're going to see them face off in Frisco, Texas for the FCS national championship be on the lookout for that preview show we might have some additional content in between stay posted on that we'll let you know we'll 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 keep you posted on what's gonna be coming next but that's gonna be it from us folks thank you for tuning in as always we're able to get through the episode first time doing it remotely in a very long time thank you for tuning in as always be sure to rate us wherever you're listening to us and you can find us on apple Podcasts, google play stitcher spotify iHeartRadio, wherever there's a podcast, you name it, we are there. You can also find us at BLEAV.com if you're having trouble finding us. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon and also follow Sean at SeanAnderson65. Feel free to tweet at us if you got any thoughts or anything about the FCS playoff. We get a lot of people tweeting at us and we, we love to respond. Maybe we don't get to respond to every single person, but we love hearing people's thoughts and opinions on things. One of the most rewarding things about doing this show is, is getting to hear from people. In, in addition to that, though, make sure you follow Believe Podcasts at BLEAV Podcasts. Have a wonderful rest of your day, folks.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.